1: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
2: It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is
1: Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back.
3: Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from the Mullion Haw Show on 670 to score. Dan Readers from the Chicago Tribune covers the Bears and the Bears reported back to work at Hallis Hall on Monday, getting ready for a Lions game at Soldier Field on Sunday, December 10th. Dan, after Sunday's Bearslessness, yeah. without any Bears losses or wins, but watching the rest of the league, I don't know what any grand takeaways maybe you got from watching I was struck by just how uh, you could convince yourself if you tried, and I think there (laughs) may be some people trying, that the Bears at four and eight are closer to the pack than maybe we thought. But then I also cautioned myself in maybe overstating that because of some clear limitations. So what were your impressions of Sunday's games and how they relate to what you watch on a regular basis I will
2: say that I went to bed Sunday night uh, disgusted with the officiating in the league and the inability to get crucial calls right at the end of games they obviously miss a obvious pass interference penalty against the Packers uh, on a deep ball from Patrick Mahomes to Marquez Valdez scantling and it, it was just so blatantly obvious it's hard to miss that that comes after they called the Packers for unnecessary roughness now there is a distinction here. It wasn't a late hit. It was unnecessary roughness, which there is a, a uh, important distinction there in, in basically ruling that while he may have hit him in bounds, he hit him too hard in bounds. Another call that in the crucial stages of a game, it's like, come on, like what are we doing here? And then there was another one where the Packers had uh, Chiefs receiver. I think it was MBS again, wrapped up in bounds, and yet they allowed the clock to stop with Marquez Valdez Scandling after his forward progress had been stopped lunging to the sideline, getting the ball out of bounds. So, um, well, I don't know. Did you, did you take that away from the officiating of that Sunday night game? Cause th- there was a handful of calls throughout the day and those three in the late stages of a big game, it was just like, Whoa, this is, this
3: is I, I agree. Uh, yeah. But I, I also don't want to take away from the Packers accomplished no. because I didn't expect Two different discussions. Yeah. I think there are because they're, they're, you know, Packers, certainly have improved at a a level to to a level I didn't expect them to get to this year um the officiating has been a chronic problem that I that I think that is too wildly inconsistent to even uh that deserves its own podcast you know that deserves its own uh seminar but but I think if, if we stick to the Packers I I I wonder this because came into this season and I was doubting like a lot of people Jordan Love or maybe just disbelieving that the Packers could actually get it right three times in a row at the quarterback position and i submit you this according to uh i think it's next gen stats this was jordan love's fourth game of 2023 with three plus passing tds and no interceptions tying him with brock purdy for the most games in the nfl love is the fifth quarterback in the super bowl era to have four such games in his first 13 starts so somebody tweeted at me in light of that statistic hey ha who would you rather have Justin Fields or Jordan Love. It's not the first time we've been posed that question, but it is the first time that I think maybe the answer was maybe easier to come by than than it was previously because Jordan Love has done in 13 games what I didn't think he could do, but he started to remove the doubt, Dan.
2: Well, started to, right? And, and we all know what this league is about. It's about doing it on a regular basis over a long period of time. And and so Jordan Love's got a long way to go to clear into that that zone where you are making all your plans centered around him being your quarterback for the long haul that said if the bears had a stretch where a quarterback threw three touchdown passes and no interceptions four times in a 13 game span there would be massive parades here you know what i mean and there's still a sentiment that all jordan love is uh middle of the road which he might be and that's kind of where where i stand and yet he's accomplishing things that your own quarterbacks are not accomplishing and so um it leads me back to, to your previous question about some of the things I learned from watching other games over the weekend. Uh, I'll start with Thursday night even and, and the way Dak Prescott is playing, you know, and, and you see things from the quarterback position where you go, boy, that's not something we watch on a regular basis here in Chicago. I fast forward to that really, really entertaining 49ers Eagles game on Sunday afternoon. And even though Jalen Hurts and the Eagles got whacked in that game, you watch him play the position and you've watched him over a a series of high profile games against good opponents the last three weeks play with a feel that is just so admirable and a, a year ago around this time the eagles were coming to chicago to play the bears and the talk was well look jalen hurts doesn't run like justin fields runs which he doesn't he doesn't have that that type of explosive speed and and you know home run power that 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 justin fields has He doesn't have the The same arm strength that Justin Fields has, doesn't throw as pretty of a deep ball. No, he doesn't. You're absolutely right. And and so a year ago, the thought was, well, Justin has all these physical tools that Jalen Hurts doesn't have. And the thing that everyone kind of overlooked was the feel for the position, the ability to react gracefully to the game and you watch that in some of these other quarterbacks that are either top tier or second tier, and you go, God, like there's just something about that that is so refreshing to watch and and watch these quarterbacks who understand how to see it, feel it, and react to it. That's something we have to keep our eyes on with Justin over these last five weeks because it's going to be a big point of discussion for sure.
3: It is something that you kind of know it when you see it, and I I don't know that we have seen it consistently enough from Justin Fields to remove that doubt. I think you're starting to see that more regularly from Jordan Love, which puts him, you know, maybe ahead of where some people and some critics thought he would be at the stage of his career and, and first year as a starter. You know, you, you mentioned the guys that we, we, you know, Dak Prescott Thursday night, the game in Philadelphia on Sunday. You're talking about Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, and Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. Those are the three best quarterbacks in the NFC this year.
2: No and, question.
3: And, and the thing is that, so you start to look at, okay, what, what did they do what do they have that you think is unreachable here in chicago with the bears i don't know that if you look at it in those terms like okay Dak prescott has been around for a while but he's had ups and downs
2: no question big ups and downs
3: jalen hurts has the benefit of of having grown on a job and been surrounded by tremendous offensive and defensive lines good coaching and and weaponry that went they went out and get brock purdy is just plopped into the right spot uh, and that team is, is, has as much to do with his growth as his individual uh, ability. So I, I guess what I, what I go back to, I don't believe that I would, you know, amplify this too too loudly as, but, or, or believe this too strongly. But you do start to wonder, because football strange things happen, how far away the, are the Bears if they get that defense <laughs> fixed? And if they have that offensive line set and they added a couple of – what they added D.J. Moore and they added another weapon – Maybe the quarterback is the thing that's holding them back the most. And if you do either get Justin Fields to get to the point where he's as consistent as some of these other guys, or maybe, or maybe this is the more likely scenario, you replace him with somebody who is capable of lifting everybody around him as well. And you have the pieces in place. Maybe the bears aren't as far away from being a competitive team in the NFC North as we thought.
2: Well, so that was the other part of the question that I wanted to address because you talked about the pack. And I talk about the pack and I talked about it on the, the Bernstein and Home show with with Dan and, and Layla Rahimi. And you look at this NFC and you look at these teams, I'm gonna rattle them off for you that are either six and six or five and seven. That's what I would define as the pack. Three of these teams are currently inside the playoff picture. The Atlanta Falcons leading the uh, South at six and six, Mm -hmm. the Vikings and the Packers in position to take those last two wildcard slots at six and six. Mm -hmm. Also in that mix, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Buccaneers, the Saints. Okay. So that's the mix. And that mix is not that far away from where the Bears are Mm -hmm. currently that is also not the target zone. And so I, I, I always reflect back on 2020 and uh, what I call the seventh seed seduction with the expansion of the playoffs and, and the bears fighting till the end to steal that seventh seed. And then winning that wild card birth in a way that gave people inside the organization belief that they were a legitimate playoff team. When we knew that they weren't, that they had only benefited from expanded NFL playoffs that awards mediocrity more than it ever has. And so my worry is in trying to reach the pack and then treating that as a desirable destination when getting close to annually competing for championships is 300 miles away now look that's the next stop for the bears they've got to get there they've got to get closer they got to get competitive they are making strides in that direction but i also just caution against the idea that oh we're, we're, we're close to being in that that weird mix of teams that's just mediocre enough to, to stay in the playoff race until the end of the season.
3: It's a good distinction to make because I think it speaks to how you define success. And I've always been one that probably too quickly looks at uh, the parity in the league and finds that irresistible. And then you just want to be good enough to get in the tournament or you just want to be good enough to win a division or sneak in the playoffs. And once you're there, anything can happen. When I When I wonder if that's a great approach to being – you know, a productive franchise and maybe, you know, profitable and everyone in the NFL is profitable, but, but you know what I mean? It's like, you can just seduce yourself and fool yourself into thinking that that's good enough. And I think what's happened at Halas Hall over the years of, of struggle uh, that that's become, well, almost akin to what, you know, franchises like the chiefs and the Patriots and, you know, maybe even like the 49ers, that's, Getting Eagles. to the middle of the pack and the Eagles. Yeah, that's a good example. The, getting to the middle pack for the Bears is like getting to the Super Bowl for those franchises. And it's got to change. The, you got to change the mindset, I think, to be able to sustain success. But that's a lot. And that's a lot to expect. So I, I wonder, I do wonder uh, what, what the approach will be after this season. Will they convince themselves that, boy, you look, you rattled off seven teams right now that are in the hunt and the bears <laughs> can convince themselves delude themselves maybe into thinking they're two plays away from being in the hunt because because they play, are well yeah one play against the broncos one play against the lions they're six and six and we're sitting here an entirely different conversation but is that sustainable and is that even legitimate i don't know
2: that, that that's a an entirely valid point and i think probably the best way to sum up what you said there is good good enough can no longer be good enough for the people at house hall, right? We need to be aiming higher. We need to be aiming for bigger goals. And it's not just to sneak into the playoffs every once in a while and and say, ah, we did it. Uh, It's to become one of these teams that's, that's annually in the mix, become one of these teams that's constantly competing for division championships and then trying to make long runs in January and doing it over and over and over again. And you named off a handful of teams that are in the process of doing that. And so you've got an opportunity now here, Again, to take a, a wide lens, reasoned look at the state of your organization. You have a team president still in his first year on the job with a general manager finishing his second season on the job with a chance to, to spend a bye week in early December and, and, and reflect on what is the state of this football team and what does it need to be and how do we take the steps to get there? We have talked forever about where this thing can go, where it might go, where it maybe should go. And it's going to be just entirely fascinating to see which direction those two men, Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles, decide that this thing should go and that hopefully we're getting answers soon. You know, we're within, uh, 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 you know, five weeks of the end of the regular season. And at that point, there's a lot of decisions and explanations that come due.
0: Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business.
3: a couple people but i think when the conversation surrounds Justin Fields and what we're talking about and what you can you know settle for and what you should be striving for it was pointed out to the, as much appreciation as as we should have for Justin Fields having back-to-back games that are acceptable i mean he had a game winning drive against the vikings he had very good success against the lions he th- he had th- through eight touchdown passes in three consecutive games over three consecutive games but has one touchdown pass in the last 11 quarters since that point. So the consistency that we're talking about hasn't really been there. And I wonder I wonder if we're, how, how hard, it made me just stop and I think question whether or not we're seeing progress that actually is there or how much we're wanting to see progress that needs to be there before we conclude that they need to go in a different direction. I think they probably have concluded they're gonna go in a different direction. And I can probably think that that's probably the right way to go. I'm trying to stay consistent and disciplined enough to keep an open mind, even though you watch what happened over the weekend and you see what's available in the draft and you think, okay, that's the quickest way to get to where you're, we're talking about They should go.
2: Well, there is real progress being made and we've documented it across a few areas, whether it be pocket poise, the ability to make uh, plays as a, a extended play passer, um, the, the ability to understand kind of what you're seeing a little bit quicker. It's, it's all there. It's just a question of, of how much further does it need to go and how quickly can it get there when, again, as you mentioned, there is opportunity that is staring at you in the face. Look, I was truly happy with my previous job in Minnesota, covering the Vikings, an organization that was really fun to cover at a outlet that was really, really good to me. And the Chicago Tribune came knocking on the door. And so sometimes opportunity comes to your door and you have to say, yeah, I, maybe this isn't the, the the timeline that I envisioned, but this is the timeline that reality brought here. And so that's where I think this to what you mentioned when you're staring at this draft class with these quarterbacks that are widely regarded as, as you know, look, we all know the draft is a craft shoot and, and nothing is promised. But you have the opportunity now picking at the top of the draft to, to put your fingerprints all over that, to be the team that selects the guy that you think is best. Could you air? Of course, you could air. Could you hit a jackpot? Of course, you could hit a jackpot. And when you are sitting at this opportunity and you have this chance to to essentially clean a lot of this slate clean, it seems hard to pass up. I wrote a piece over the weekend at ChicagoTribune.com and in the the Sunday newspaper about Ryan Poles' dilemma in that regard. And in the, talking to some people around the league, the the sentiment is that the decisions that people would go now, why are they doing that? Would be staying the course with either the coach and or the quarterback. Whereas the decision to reboot seems to be one where people go, yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, that, that, that makes sense given given what the timeline is and what they are doing at the top of this draft. You got to look at it through that lens because I think there is an opportunity here to, to really, really invigorate your organization, even if it's going to require uh, a leap of faith and a, a heavy dose of patience.
3: To that end, I want to get your reaction to this because you wrote it and sometimes it's good to, to talk about it. In Sunday's Tribune, which actually, without the Bears playing, it's great to have all day to read the paper. (laughs) These days, you don't need all day to read the paper. (laughs) But uh, um, you you write this, you quote uh, an anonymous league source saying this about the quarterback situation and the Bears. Quote, given the Bears' history, in my mind, it's highly important that they start 2024 with somebody who can successfully develop a quarterback, anybody. And if you're the GM there, how could you turn down the rare opportunity to go do both at once? You choose the best quarterback in the draft, class and link him up with one of the best offensive head coaching prospects of the moment." End of quote. That's quite a statement, and I think what you described, and I think it typifies the way, I think, in talking to some other people, not that you quoted, but just myself. That's the way I think people view the Bears situation outside of Chicago. Inside the city, around the team, maybe fandom and media, too, Is the only place where I've really seen an argument even offered why you would maybe maintain even some semblance of the status quo, bringing back Justin Fields or retaining anybody else in the coaching staff. Dan, that quote, I think that you got from a league source was very telling and I think indicative of of a larger, larger, maybe consensus.
2: Well, you appropriately emphasized two words when you were reading that and it's rare opportunity. How often are you at a, 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 an intersection where you have the chance to pick number one in a draft that has quarterback prospects that make people want to drool over picking them number one? How often are you at that intersection with the chance to marry them up with a coach that can come in on the same timeline and you can start at square one together and start to build uh the staircase, you know, which ultimately, as we've talked about before, you need the staircase to become an escalator, the escalator to become an elevator <laughs> to get your to get your team to the, the to the top floors of this league. And so um, it is it's rare. It's rare. And that has to go into the consideration for Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles when the, when they look at this, because if you stay the course, say, as some people have suggested, and I heard Ross Tucker on on with you on 670, the score on Monday morning, talk about the idea of Justin Fields sticking it out for the final year of his rookie contract and say, saying that that he sees that as a very real possibility well what happens if we get into the middle of october early november middle of november next year and justin's still struggling and the inconsistency is still there and we're still asking him to do things that we've been asking him to do for what will be at that point four seasons and you go oh no we just stayed the course with the guy that we've got to pivot off of and now we have no idea what we're going to be doing with the, the the opportunity to pivot. We're not going to have the first choice. We're not going to have the the, the control of the situation like we had a year ago going into the offseason of 2024. That's where the calculus here has to be something that, that the men in charge at Household deeply consider because, again, timing dictates circumstance sometimes.
3: I was really surprised that Ross Tucker – Had that perspective. He's a very bright analyst and certainly covers the Eagles mostly, but understands the league as well as anybody that we talk to on a regular basis. Um, But I also think it probably reflects what we're talking about, not being in this not not being hyper-focused on the bear situation and not seeing every throw, every practice. Well, that's a
2: thing, right? I mean, that's no. a real thing because I remember the first time I watched Justin Fields practice. I remember the first time I watched him run a sprint from goal line to goal line at Hallis Hall and went, oh my God, you know, like this is like wow stuff. And when you see that, you're like, there, there, there's everything in there. The physical gifts are undeniable. The mental toughness as we've documented on this podcast is is second to none. And so there's a reason to, to feel that magnetism that pull towards wanting it to work out for Justin Fields but then when you sit there for three seasons and you watch 30 plus starts and, and you know look I remember doing this at the end of Mitch Trubisky's time here where we went and rank ordered and I'd probably have to do this soon with Justin but we rank ordered Mitch's 50 starts at the time that he had made and you got to, you couldn't even get out of the top 10 before you were in kind of ho-hum land, you know, and it was the greatest tell that there was of like, okay, there's a handful of these that were really fun and then a bunch of ho-hum to yuck, you know, and I think it's similar with Justin right now, where if you challenged yourself to go through and and rank every start that he's made for the Chicago Bears, you wouldn't get very far before you were into that, that, that section of the grid where, where it's truly unimpressive and you go, man, this should be
3: telling me something. Speaking of consistency in the quarterback position, there's something else that was in the paper I want to talk to you about. I'm looking forward to talking to our guy, Brad Biggs, on the Mullion Hawes show about this because it stood out to me. He uh, obviously talks to a lot of people like everybody that covers the team. Obviously, he's not going to write something that hasn't been maybe suggested to him. But when it comes to J.J. McCarthy, uh, the quarterback of Michigan – who also plays for the head coach at Michigan, who I'm a big fan of, Jim Harbaugh. And I hope he ends up being in Chicago because then it'd be a lot different podcast. Um, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with this one, but boy, that would make things exciting. But I don't know. I don't know how I feel about J.J. McCarthy being linked to the Bears because I think a couple things. Number one, I wouldn't recommend right now them passing. That would mean somehow, for some reason they don't have the number one overall pick, which it looks like they're likely to have maybe if the Panthers continue to lose out. But we don't know if it's going to be the Panthers or Patriots, perhaps. But if they have the number one overall pick, I think you can't – you're not going to take J.J. McCarthy there. J.J. McCarthy's been suggested anywhere from a late first to middle second to to, to lower. And I just don't know about the scenarios what that would mean. I mean keeping Justin Fields and drafting J.J. McCarthy. But this is what Big writes. He says, quote, Imagine if a local kid was drafted to be the savior for the local franchise. It's possible Bears fans who were glued to last Saturday's game to watch Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. were watching the team's future quarterback too. I don't think so. I mean, I, I I'm, this is just speaking for myself here. I love the fact that he threw that out there because it is a story that a lot of people would find irresistible. And five years ago, I might have as well. Like, oh my gosh, I want to write this. J.J. McCarthy from Nazareth High School. J.J. McCarthy, local guy, Bears fan. That would be, what a dynamic, a package deal. Jim Harbaugh, J.J. McCarthy. Dan, though, I don't know, I don't know if that is one of those scenarios that tells me, that says and screams improvement and progress. I'm not quite sure. Jim Harbaugh part, I can get behind. J.J. McCarthy, I need to see more of.
2: So, a couple things to that end. Number one, I think you're right. In regards to number one, I don't think you can make that move with the number one overall pick. And so what if you decide to trade the number one pick and you pick up draft capital and you pick up a, a an early two from someone and you think, OK, well, at least at the very least, we can we can consider taking J.J. McCarthy uh, later and, and, and making sure we get him later about also stockpiling the roster with Marvin Harrison Jr. with your own pick if you're if you're picking high enough or one of these left tackles that everyone's high on and trying to trying to make hay with your roster. Um, the Harbaugh connection isn't insignificant either because if you have serious considerations of trying to lure Jim Harbaugh here and he tells you, look, like I, I really, really Would love to continue working with this kid, and I I I know what it takes to succeed at the pro level. I've I've seen it with my own eyes. I've worked with Andrew Luck. I worked Magic in San Francisco with a couple different quarterbacking options, and 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 so maybe this is the path. Well, then you just have to do your homework on it, right? If you're seriously considering Jim Harbaugh, which you have suggested, they need to be very serious about. I do. I do. I know. Then maybe you need to dig deeper into that file and see. (laughs) Okay, is there something here? But look, like this is this is the fun of this, and it's also the the kind of annoyance of it because. This world of possibility is just – it's unbelievable to think of all the different permutations and combinations the Bears could go down. I think of the years where the Bears didn't draft in the first round, and you're left during this pre-draft process of trying to figure out, like, who are they going to get at 40? Or, like, the year they took Cole Komet and Jalen Johnson at – you know, Jalen was 50, and Cole wasn't that far above that. And you're just just waiting. You're waiting, waiting. Well, this year, like, we could do – 25 consecutive days on things they should consider in the quarterback draft class and then followed up with 25 other things that they could simultaneously consider about the left tackles and the, the receivers and and, the, and like the world of possibility is endless right now for the Bears. And, and that's where it gets fascinating, where it could get a little bit... um distracting, I think, if you're Ryan Pulse, because you're left to, to cast such a wide net and have such a, a, a wide view of, of what the possibilities are that you may spread yourself a little bit thin. I don't think that's going to happen with them. Um but certainly like this is this is something to keep your 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 fingers on the pulse of because JJ McCarthy's a name in league circles that people think okay like if you're not truly drawn to, to Williams and 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 May and you don't love <laughs> Jaden Daniels and you know a couple other names on that well maybe maybe you do consider J.J. Uh-huh. McCarthy I don't know I I'm with you like I it, do, it doesn't it doesn't strike me as a move that would like resonate as this like okay nailed it on the reboot there um but it's out there and it's circulating and, and now we got to figure out what's happening
3: I love the idea of J.J. McCarthy in terms of you know going to the podium every Wednesday he could analyze games when he's not you know starting them i think he's a terrific communicator and a great young man i just don't know as you say if he's the answer to the reboot okay there's so a la- of-
2: last thing before you move off of that if if that was the only way you could get your guy jim to 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 take the head coaching job here how much more would you consider it if it was the only way that that old jim wanted to be here
3: that's a great question and i think my my initial answer would be that for the, were, year, for, for the two for the two years that Jim will be here, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's clever. Uh, if, if that were conditional, I, I would pass on on, on Harbaugh. I, I think that as much as I love the idea of him being the coach, I do think that getting it right at the quarterback position is more important, and I think that. To me, if you're prioritizing the head coach or the quarterback, it's got to be the quarterback because you've never quite gotten it right. And I do believe that, again, this is premature before the vetting and before all the combine stuff. I do believe that one of those two guys, and I think it's I think his name's Caleb Williams, probably is a bigger prize in this offseason than any coach you're going to hire. I may regret saying that, and I reserve the right to change my mind, but as I sit here today with that unexpected either or, I do think that it's the quarterback over the head coach 10 out of 10 times.
2: And, and I get it, right? Like, I, I get it. And, and you know, you have to get that right at some point. And to, to the other point is you have to uh, do so in a way where, where where you set up a launching pad. You know, that, that's really, really important that in this next stretch, whoever they decide to be the quarterback has to be surrounded in a way that that allows them to potentially hit that that launching pad that makes them them better. I'm going to read you one other quote real quick from from the story that you were just talking about uh, previously that I I picked up and and this was uh, from an anonymous league source talking about the Bears not just moving off of Justin Fields for uh, any old restart but moving off Justin Fields for the guy the rookie in this class that they ultimately have the power to choose as the top. Player in the class, and this uh, source said, I'm not saying Fields is a bad quarterback, but I think there's enough evidence in now that he's not the guy. And if you have your chance to go grab a prospect who's been deemed the guy for two years and you decide not to go get him, you have to ask yourself serious questions about your direction not just about the direction, but about the potential regret factor, I think. I, you know, I, I, you hear it all the time, the double-edged sword of the regret factor. What happens if they pivot off of Justin and he goes somewhere else and becomes Jared Goff 2.0 or some version of Geno Smith? Would you, would you be mad at yourself for, for not giving him the opportunity to see it through? Well, I think it's the, 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 the potential for regret is far greater, as we've talked about previously, of passing on somebody that's been labeled a generational talent for a long time uh, and 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 then seeing him become what everyone was forecasting him to be, and and then going, oh boy, what
3: <laughs> no did doubt we do? that, rel- that relates to the 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 Harbaugh uh, question you asked me too is that if you have a coach, whether it's Jim Harbaugh or anybody, that almost makes it conditional that he'll take the job, but they need to pursue the guy that he coached or the guy that he wants. I don't think that's probably the right coach. I think you do want to bring in somebody here that's accomplished and proven and has his own ways and believes is in is in his own decisions and leadership style, but I don't think you need to have somebody who's rigid enough to where it's either him or nobody, or you have to draft his quarterback for him to succeed. I think if you're the next head coach of the bears has to be pliable enough philosophically to say, all right, I'm here. We're going to win because I'm here and we're going to do it with, with the best talent that we can get in the draft. And I'm going to respect your decision-making ability as a general manager, my boss If it's Ryan Poles or our collaboration toward that, where it doesn't have to be just one guy, there's too much of that that goes on in sports where it has to be, you know, you think that it's a package deal or somebody thinks it can only win one way. I would hope that the next head coach of the Bears sees various options at the most important position and they see the obvious, if it's as obvious as it seems to be when it comes to Caleb Williams.
2: And as you've said many times off the air, who needs Phil Snow when you've got Connor Stallions?
3: exactly exactly that's right i've said it many times who's phil snow again i really i I don't think he exists i think phil snow is a figment in our imagination until i've actually heard something from him i don't think he's on the bears payroll i think it's some sort of they're paying somebody else it's ai
2: it's like the guys writing for si these days right he's just an ai creation
3: yeah phil snow is si's new columnist also (laughs) He's, he's a creation
2: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30
0: a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
3: All right, before we get out here, Hallis Hall on Monday, we talk about all kinds of things that are possible. Cold commit gave voice (laughs) to something that DJ Moore, uh, the the Tuesday after the Vikings game alluded to as well. There are people, as you report back to work on Monday at House Hall. This is the way I would want them to believe, I think. If your players are going back to the office, so to speak, you want them to think that at four and eight with five games left, they can finish nine and eight. That's gotta be the incentive. Cole Komet talked about it. I think many people in the media room probably rolled their eyes. Some people might have been, yeah, yeah. Exactly, Cole. I don't know how you reacted or would have <laughs> would have reacted, but um, obviously well, you want to be in that positive.
2: There's there, there's that intoxicating lure of being that team in the bottom right corner of the in the hunt graphic, right? And, and going, oh, we're still alive. Oh, my God. They haven't pronounced us dead yet. Great. Like, now we just got to go attack this. Look, as, as players and coaches, 100%, you have to be in the mindset of let's take care of business this week and let's keep stacking and stacking and put together a, a series of good performances. And who knows? Weirder things have happened. I, you know, uh, Rich Campbell and I used to talk about our collective 2012 when we both, we're covering different organizations, him, the, the Redskins at the time, and me, the Vikings, and both had our teams left for dead. And they both rattled off long winning streaks to end the season to get in the playoffs. And you go, okay, we got to remember that. Sometimes when 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 you are ready to to, to, to send out the notice of the, of the wake, the, the team comes back to life and makes you reconsider things. Now that said, I think we would both agree that this upcoming schedule, which is deemed weak includes You know, playoff team in the Falcons, who who aren't great, but are are leading the the South. The Packers are revitalized. you got the division leader in the Lions coming up this week. The Browns, they have a really good defense, particularly at home. And even though they're reshuffling, they've got maybe some stability at quarterback now with Joe Flacco coming in and, and lending some presents. The idea of a team that hasn't won consecutive games in more than two years suddenly finding the, the the moving walkway and running off six in a row is pretty far-fetched and i think we would all agree with that as a player as a coach you have to believe in possibility in order to go after things uh wilder things have happened um but look like i, I think there's a a sentiment that that the bears are a long way from that chatter or having any sort of big picture credence to to anyone outside the building
3: it's their job to report to work, believing anything is possible. It's our job to remind everybody that they just barely beat the Vikings 12 to 10 and the Vikings were quarterback by Josh Dobbs
2: in a game so, where everyone was ready to throw up with about four minutes to go. Right? Yeah.
3: So I think that they both things can be true and I'm, I'm glad they're uh, re- rejuvenated after a weekend off because that's the way you want them to approach December. And I'm looking forward to being back at soldier field for the lions who are coming off a pretty big road victory because, uh, that game against the Saints could have gone either way. They responded in the fourth quarter and benefited from the injury to Derek Carr, but they knocked him out of the game, so you have to give them credit. And The Lions come uh, in as one of the biggest surprises in the in the NFC, probably feeling like they can get on a roll in December and go into the playoffs with momentum.
2: Yeah, they got walloped on Thanksgiving Day, and then they came back in the first quarter of that game and really put their fingerprints all over that game, jumped out to a really quick 21-0 lead and looked pretty good. now. But the Bears have the luxury here, as you mentioned. This late bye gives them a chance to rejuvenate themselves Their opponent just went out on the road and and had to play a hard-fought game, and so you you should have a little bit of an advantage in that category. You played them well two weeks ago. The preparation is pretty familiar to you. You know what worked and what didn't, so we'll see what direction it goes.
3: David Montgomery's return to Soldier Field, one of the storylines, other things in play. We'll be able to talk about it more in depth on Friday when we drop the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast, Dan, before we get out of here, anything else?
2: Yeah, I'm going to try to dig up some audio from some of the conversations I had in the offseason with Kevin Warren, if I can, for our podcast later in the week, because I think it'll give you some insight into um, just some of the working thoughts that I have as they get to this late stage of, of pivotal uh juncture for, for the entire franchise in terms of the way uh, Kevin feels about Ryan and how he felt during the offseason and, and just kind of where my starting point is for for some of those discussions. Hopefully I can bring that to our to our audience in a way that, that helps us get a little bit uh, fresher perspective on, yeah. on something we're yeah. talking about a lot. That's
3: something to look forward to. Yeah, I'd be curious to see exactly what that sounded like and, and attach it and apply it to what we're looking at in the next – Four weeks or so, because this will be quite a quite a month ahead for the Bears as they get ready for the final five games of the season. All right, so we'll have that to look forward to Friday morning. You can watch us on the 670 Scores YouTube page. You can listen to us on the Take the North podcast and the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. For Dan Wiederer and Adam Sadinsky, I'm David Haw. We'll talk to you on Friday on the Take the North podcast. Great talk. See you out there.